And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hope and Chris finish the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures. Thus, keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Rebels. In this episode, Maul arrives on Tatooine seeking vengeance or revenge from his nemesis, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I can't read tonight. Deception. This is my third Betrayal. Ezra's third too. There will be glitching holocrons. Ezra gets lost in a desert. And is this the greatest lightsaber fight of all time? We're talking twin sons this week. I'm Hope Malnex. This is my co-podcaster, Chris Honeywell. How you doing tonight, Chris? I, I'm doing fine. And I'm also so happy <laughs> and excited that we have on our show tonight from Bleeding Cool and from Besker Pod, which is a spinoff series about the Mandalorian on Geeky Bubble, Mr. Jeremy Conrad. How you doing, Jeremy? Hello, I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited you're here. We like guests. We do. I I am ready to talk everybody's favorite, uh, you know, guy, Darth Maul. Who's 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 not a fan of Darth Maul, and why wouldn't they be besides Jonah? You know, I Rebels made me a fan of Maul. Um, I wasn't, you know, he was cool and a fan of Menace, and I was kind of lukewarm about him in Clone Wars. But Rebels is what made me love Maul. So then when we went back and we were covering Clone Wars for the show, I was like, oh, my God, I actually like my spiky boy now. Like, he's like, he's he's on the daddy list. He's spiky boy. Like, Clone Wars had to take him and make him an acceptable character, sort of. You know, Clone Wars had to sort of really, they were kind of stretching it when they brought him back since he got cut, you know, cleaved in half. I mean, the spider but, legs is what killed it for me. <laughs> right. They had to they had to work through some stuff to get to figure out what they were going to do with him. And then once they figured out, well, he, he was on the upswing towards the end of Clone Wars. But like by the time he hit Rebels, like they already they already he was an established character that they could definitely be like, let's do this with him. And it was, you know, there was no awkward point in Rebels. I was just excited because I did the research for this episode with Darth Maul in it. And then about 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I'll just watch the latest uh, Clone Wars episode. And uh, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> I got I got mauled. I got I got mauled. Jeremy, like, Jeremy, I have to wonder, like, what is it about Maul that makes you like a Maul guy? Like, what what is your history with Darth Maul? Like, when did you first love him? Like, why are you a Maul guy? Well, I saw episode one in the theater when it was released, like I'm sure most people listening to this did. And initially, it was just his design. I just, I love the his tattoos and his face paint on Ray Park and his moves, his lightsaber moves were, like, incredible, and when I was a kid, all I cared about in Star Wars was lightsabers, like any other, you know, kid, and 
he I, he was just awesome and I, you know i thought leaving the theater in 1999 i was i felt gypped like everybody else did but at the same time i never thought i'd see maul again and then when clone wars came out and Filoni and then resurrected him i thought i was dead set against it from the get-go as soon as they started like foreshadowing towards it i was like you know i i I don't want this as much as I like Darth Maul and most of it was, I guess, because of Ray Park. I just respect Ray Park a great deal for um, his martial arts ability. And he's just a super nice, chill guy. And I met him a couple times and I, I don't know, it just colored my opinion of the character and I always glommed onto him. And then when he was resurrected on Clone Wars, it just was, oh, Sam Witwer's like a boss. He's like the best. There's nobody better than Sam Witwer. And now he's Darth Maul? What? And just everything that they've done with the characters since they resurrected him has just cemented his legacy to me as one of the, if not the best Star Wars villain there is. He is. Fight me. No, I I felt exactly the way you did when they brought him back and when they said they were going to bring him back, I was just like, oh, geez. And then then they did the uh, thing with... um, his his brother and and everything so like it was like okay they're gonna have a brother who's sort of like darth maul okay that sort of makes sense and, oh they're gonna actually bring back Darth. it just seems so fan servicey and it kind of was a little bit in the spider legs phase but they actually turned him into like such a well integrated character into the rest of everything else that it, it it almost doesn't even feel like he's some something that a a spin-off cartoon pulled f- from you know one movie you know and and ter- he seems just like an established character i guess he is now but you know it it could have been really cheesy and instead it's still it's not to the point of where the average moviegoer knows what the hell was going on in solo when he showed up but it's close. <laughs> that was one of my fa- that's actually one of my favorite parts of like when I saw Solo. Um, me and my friend Paige, who were the only two women that went in our group, were also the only two women who had watched Clone Wars. So like we were fucking freaking out when we saw yeah. Ray Park, but with Sam Witwer's voice. And I will never forget like after the movie, like us having to Clone Wars explain to a bunch of guys <laughs> why Darth Maul was alive. <laughs> you know, to me. I feel like now with what Filoni is doing with um, Darth Maul, that it's almost what George Lucas wished he could have done with Vader back in the day in the original trilogy days. I I, I feel like he's turned into the like the villain and with the kind of layers and character work that he kind of wanted Vader to have. When if you I mean a lot of Vader in the first, especially in A New Hope, is kind of one dimensional. I guess I, I he expanded well, upon, Va- of course, an empire Va- and Jedi. By the story, Vader's like descent into evil is all wrapped in his family drama, whereas Maul is just like he's like, uh, well, I guess I guess Anakin is kind of like an abused kid from the beginning too, but mm-hmm. Maul is is almost like the just the the darker half of somebody who never had any kind of of positive reinforcement at any we, time, you know. We talked about that actually a little bit in our episode for Voices and Visions. 
and we were talking like about how does he even it, it seems like he wants Ezra as an actual friend but does he even know what like a friend is like does he even know what it's like to have like someone who loves him and the no, answer is that, no like he doesn't know how to friend so all he ha- all he knows how to do is power like he, that's all he knows yes did you guys you guys didn't watch trolls world tour yet did you I've never seen a Trolls movie, and I'm proud of that. <laughs> we um, not. we um, rented it over the weekend, and to, it just reminded me of some, like, there's a, the character that Rachel Bloom plays, the rock troll, like the rock and roll one. It's kind of the same thing. She walks around like, I don't need any friends. I have friends. I have so many friends. You don't even understand how many friends I have, and I know how to be friends with literally anybody, and then she just starts talking to this random character and this character doesn't care at all about what she's saying she's like see that's so carol me and carol are best friends and i feel like <laughs> that's definitely the vibe i get from ezra and maul uh right from the get-go right from when they meet i will yeah. say about trolls world tour i am keeping an eye on how it's doing because the future of hollywood is hinging on this fucking movie it's it wasn't I, my review went up on bleeding cool this afternoon. I actually really enjoyed it. That was really. It, do you know? Very, kind of do you know why? Movie. Do you know why Hollywood is hinging on this fucking movie? Why? <laughs> because it's the first movie since the coronavirus started that is like that completely skipped the theater. Oh, every yeah. every other movie has either delayed it or like went straight to streaming, like Pixar's Onward. But this well, one's like, no, we're not going to do be doing a theater, and if it does well. This could actually be the future of of theaters, which is because the theater injury, uh, industry as a whole has already been kind of going down because people aren't going to movies anymore. People are streaming. So if it does well, this could actually be like the beginning of the death of the movie industry. I don't as, see as how it like wouldn't. A, I don't see how it wouldn't do well just because I think it would be. I think it's a smart decision to make it a a kids picture that sort of has some has adult stuff in it too. So the you know, so it has a. Uh, uh, you know, a crossover appeal to it, but I mean, all the kids are home. All the, yeah. the the entire audience of trolls is sitting at home, and it's just like, what parent wouldn't take that opportunity to? And and what what is it? It's like twenty dollars to rent it or something like that. That's cheaper than taking your kids to the movie if you have more. If you have more than one kid. I, I was thinking about my sister, my, my sister and my brother-in-law, Gina and Ishmael. They have three boys, and if all right. five of them went to the movies, that's like fifty dollars right. for them to see it. So like Before that's popcorn way cheaper. and everything. Like yeah, it's way have, cheaper. Yeah, you can have your own food and pause it and everything. So and and and, and you know the kids are probably the kids are probably waiting for the trolls movie. So it's probably just kind of a, a neat experience for them that they're gonna watch it at home instead of you know I would have freaked out as a kid if I could have. Could have watched whatever movie I wanted to at home before I. Did you have to watch it and review it for Bleeding Cool, Jeremy? Uh, I didn't have to, but it just kind of turned out that way. And as a matter of fact, today Universal came out and said that the movie over the weekend since Friday when they made it live is performed 10 times over their highest grossing movie on video on demand already. (laughs) There you go, Hope. Oh, there you go. Now, here, interesting question, really quick. Um, looking back on it, because Bob Iger has said the um, non-tenpole Disney movies are now possibly going on to Disney Plus instead. Do you think 
with hindsight being what it is that they would have released solo on Disney Plus before they released it to theaters? Ooh, that's a good question. I well, part of me, I, I argue that Solo would have worked better as a Disney Plus series anyway. Agreed. There's there's so much. And and if, if I remember, I read somewhere that the actor who plays Han Solo in that movie signed on for like three movies. And, you know, those other two are not happening, <laughs> uh, which is a shame because there there are a lot of things about Solo I, Solo I like. And I think if it had been a full Disney Plus show, like something like The Mandalorian, they would have had a lot more time to, like, work out those ideas and, like, flesh them out. And I, I think it would have worked so much better as a Disney Plus show. But I, I kind of wish Solo had gone straight to Disney Plus, yeah, if, if it was still around. Yeah, if, it, they'd ta- if they'd done it like they did the, with the same approach as The Mandalorian, I think it... I think what happened... So I think Solo could have been a lot better... I think it just lost a lot of energy because they had to go back and do it all over again. You know, it's it's that's that's artistically pretty rough for everybody. You what know? are your thoughts on it, Jeremy? Oh, I love Solo. I thought it was funny because working in a comic book store, I I starting with the day a movie comes out, I get the brunt of everybody coming in and complaining about it. Yeah, you do. I went through that myself. <laughs> and, uh, I used to work in a comic book store, too. I feel ya. Yeah. So when Last Jedi came out the winter before. <laughs> Oh man, I, 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 after about two weeks, I couldn't take anymore. And it was like, I stepped away from Star Wars Twitter. I stopped talking to a lot of people that I used to talk to in the Star Wars community because I just couldn't. And I instituted a no Star Wars policy in the shop. I'm like, no, I'm done. I don't want to talk about I could totally anything. see that. Yeah. And we, uh, we, we had to have a thing where it was like, um, a no spoilers for the first week in our store. And we actually had a guy like, I day two come in he was like what do you mean I can't talk about spoilers and I was like you can't talk about spoilers for the movie like you can talk whether or not you liked it and stuff but you just can't talk about spoilers and he was like well it's my freedom of speech to do that and I was like really oh, you're, trying to, you're in a private business I can ask you to leave <laughs> oh, and that's, if people don't respect my spoiler policy then I, I, I tell them to just get out and not come back but anyway when Solo came out um, it was funny because all the people were playing about Last Jedi and like oh you know it's not the characters I love, and it doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie. Da, 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 da. They come in, and I'd be like, so did you go see Solo? No, why would I go see Solo? I was like, you know, if you went and saw Solo, it's pretty much exactly what you old guard wanted from a Star Wars movie. Yeah, like, because my thing is, like, when people are just like, oh, The Last Jedi doesn't feel like Star Wars, I'm like, have you watched animation? <laughs> like, and nine like, times like, out of ten, they're going to say no. Like, yeah. Last Jedi screams Clone Wars and Rebels. Like, it's See, that's the thing, is it, it. it got so embroiled in, like, culture wars and stuff, and I think what the real prob- problem was, was a lot of the concepts and the, the, just the way The Last Jedi played out it really, you could tell there was a lot of thought of stuff that happened in the, not not exactly directly from the animations, but a lot of the ideas about the Force and how characters interact and what kind of characters you have in the show. It and and so like watching it, I felt right at home with it. You know, I was feeling a little, you know, Canto Bright felt a little like the prequels to me and. And then there were and having little touches of the end of Clone Wars and Rebels in it was really nice, you know. I mean, and I, I mean, Brian Johnson is on record, um, has gone on record saying that he met with the story group every yeah. week 
to make sure he wasn't stepping on the toes of other properties like the shows, the comics, and the books. And he also, like, worked with, like, Ask Dave Filoni for stuff like the Mortis arc and wanted to watch that and, like, wanted to, like, watch the High Force stuff from Clone Wars and Rebels and the World Between Worlds just to make sure he was still in line with everything. And you can tell. And that's why when you look at Trash, you're just like, what happened? Yeah, that stuff that stuff sort of went out out the window. I was sort of holding out in Tross for a little more prequel feels from it, but what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? Like I Solo, I just didn't actively not this. like it. I liked it. It just didn't like I didn't it didn't set me didn't set me on fire. I want to be set on fire. But you know, I it I'm surprised it didn't do well, or as no, it actually it didn't do well. That's right, <laughs> or uh, it didn't just do not as well. But yeah, I, I got some great prequel vibes from this episode of Rebels. I was about to say, do you guys want to talk about Twin Sons? Yeah, I know we've got this perfectly awesome yeah. episode of Rebels in front of us here. What exactly does Twin Sons refer to? No, I'm just joking. No. <laughs> if that was an actual question i'd ask you to just hang up on me well um before we get into like the extra information and stuff like that in general chris did you like the episode yes it could be the twin sons of the force with ezra and and luke jeremy did you like the episode not as much as when i first watched it you know I have what to I, agree with you. I have you to know, agree with you. You know, okay, good, because you know what I was about to say? If it if it wasn't for the final Mon Kenobi scene, this would be a sunny day in a void from Clone Wars. Yes, with better with way better characters, though. Yeah. Without that part of without that part of the episode, though, probably would have been something completely different, right? Yeah. Like, there, there's literally no reason to go to Tatooine unless you're going to do this story. Why? One of my points that I bring up, um, and which we can get to when we get into the notes of everything, is what? Why even have Ezra? Why not let this just be well, a yeah, Molly yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode? Why I, even have? I, I, I kind of get it, but yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. All right, you guys ready? <clears throat> We're ready. I'm ready. All right. Twin Sons is the 57th episode of Star Wars Rebels, and it was released on March 18th, 2017. It was written by Dave Filoni and Henry Gilroy, and it was directed by Dave Filoni. Some extra information for you. Old Ben Kenobi is voiced by Steven Stanton, who is also the voice of AP5 and Rebels. During Obi-Wan and Maul's final duel, Kenobi switches from his old Clone War stance to his Alec Guinness stance in A New Hope, and then to the same stance his master Qui-Gon Jinn used in The Phantom Menace. Maul tries to strike Kenobi with the same move he used to kill Qui-Gon, but Obi-Wan, of course, bests him. Early drafts, of this, early drafts of this episode had Maul experiencing visions of Savage Opress and Satine cries. Early drafts also had Kanan going with Ezra to Tatooine, not Chopper. They wouldn't use a hologram... They wouldn't use a holocron to guide them, but it would instead follow clues left behind by Maul. The episode originally had a character named Muda Ngatu in it. Ngatu was a fully designed uh, was fully designed prior to being cut as from the episode. 
He was a merchant in a remote outpost that would tell Ezra some information on where to go next in his search for Maul. Friendly reminder that Luke and Ezra are roughly the same age, give or take a few days. The animation used for Luke at the end of the episode is Ezra's animation model. In Rebels Recon for this episode, they talked about how it was a rig. Uh, <laughs> they talk about how it was a rigorous discussion of whether or not they should kill Maul. They wanted to make sure that Maul's narrative was something that would fit the Rebels' narrative and not just be something that the creators personally wanted to see. Dave Filoni said that they were the quote-unquote crazy people that brought Maul back. He didn't want to see Maul's demise in anything else other than animation. Henry Gilroy said that the script went through a ton of changes to get the Maul and Obi-Wan moment. Dave said that they were, there were more deleted scenes from this episode than any previous Rebels episode, and this included changed stories and, as mentioned, cut characters. Pablo Hidalgo said that originally they were going to go to Mos Eisley, but when they started cutting away excess scenes and stories, Mos Eisley was one of the things that had to go. I'm actually really happy about that because we go to Mos Eisley so much in everything. Yes. They talk about that. Uh, where am I? I lost my spot. Where am I? Okay, there we are. They talk about what Obi-Wan has been doing on Tatooine. Surviving there is a trial of its own, which is part of the reason why Kenobi ages so much in a relatively short time. They said that he's been deepening himself in the Force, learning the techniques that Qui-Gon taught Yoda in the final Yoda arc before Clone Wars was originally canceled. They compared the Obi-Wan and Maul fight to a, uh, to a brevity of fights in Samurai movies, with Dave Filoni calling it an homage to the Seventh Samurai. It wasn't about how cool it looked or how flashy. It was about the genuine intention of this moment in the story and knowing as characters where these two men are in their lives. Kenobi and Maul have faced each other so many times up to this point that they know every move the other will make. So the tension is in uh, so the tension is in the buildup as they run through every previous moment of, in their heads. One sort of funny side note, they were uh, interviewing Sam Witwer, who is Maul's voice actor, and he was all like, yeah, it was really cool to come back to voice Darth Maul, and he kind of got quiet. He was like, this is probably going to be the final time I'll get to voice Maul. Flash forward to three years, and Clone Wars is back, and he's voicing Maul in Clone Wars. <laughs> I just had to laugh. And finally, in Rebels Recon for Zero Hour in next week's episode, Pablo Dalgo cleared up a fan question about who Obi-Wan is referring to when he talks about the Chosen One, Luke or Anakin. Pablo says that Obi-Wan refers to who he as a character thinks and believes is the chosen one, and that is Luke Skywalker. Hey, Jeremy, guess what? What? Have you met our third podcaster yet? I have not. I thought I was the third podcaster. Oh. I Would you like to meet him? I, of course. <coughs> Hi. Mm, Yoda. Yes, it's Yoda. <coughs> Hello, Yoda. How are you today? Are you surviving mm. okay out in the world? Mm, Yoda, <coughs> Yoda feels very good. You, you had a little bit of a cough there. You, uh, no, <laughs> no, no, swamp fog. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know, Yoda, you know who just walked in the room? Huh? Uh, it's, huh? it's your friend, it's your friend, old friend Captain Rex. It's old man Rex. <gasps> Do you want to oh. say hi to old man Rex? I forgot you do a Rex impression. <laughs> I forgot you do a Rex impression. Well, uh, well, well, hello there, you little green fella. I haven't seen you in forever. How are you? Oh, mm -hmm. <coughs> good. Yoda's very good. Mm. You don't sound like Australia anymore. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, man. We, we Whatever that is. Park, you know, 
I, it's so good to talk to you again. I just, I missed you so much. And you know, everything going on in the world, it's great when you can, you can video, con what is this video conferencing software we're using right now, Yoda? I don't, I don't really know. Jeremy, how does, how does this mm -hmm. work? Are my, can they see me? No, they can't see you, Rex. Hey, Rex, ask him, ask Yoda about Yaddle and how she's doing. <sighs> yep, Yoda, how, how is Yaddle these days? I mean, it's, it's been a long time since I've seen her too. Mm -hmm. You, you knew Yaddle? Hmm? Oh, 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 we all knew Yaddle. Ah, yes. Hmm? Oh, did you See know what Yaddle? Yoda says? Hmm? Did Yoda you know... says was true, yes, yes. So, did you know Yaddle, or did you know Yaddle, Rex? Oh, Yoda never tells. I, 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 told, I told Fives to just, you know, we, we're not going to talk about that anymore. Rex, are you baby Yoda's father? To a, to a blind uh, bat. You know what? I hear... I, I hear Padme in the background. I gotta go. You know, she's back now. If you read those floppy page books that the kids like. I, I gotta go. Goodbye. Mm. Oh my god, Yoda. I think, I think Rex did, and, did Rex not, and Yaddle did something. Very that strange. Very strange. Very did weird. not look like Rex. Did not look like Rex to Yoda, but sounded exactly like him. Hmm. Confusing crazy. I can't believe he just showed up out of nowhere. He is not practicing social distancing correctly. Yoda does not practice social distancing either, does he, Chris? Hug? Huggy? Mm, huggy, huggy. No, no. Who would ever turn down a Yoda hug? Don't do it! Don't do Give it! a big it's hug! It's full of STDs and, and bad decisions! Afraid oh. Jeremy is not. Mmm, yes. Ooh, it's, it's like the smallest, warmest blanket I've ever had around my legs. Uh. Mm, soft legs. Mm. Uh. Are you making me out of a Sleep in your lap now for the rest of the podcast. That's I think perfect. he just, I think he, he just dozed here. off. I'll just, I'll just rub the top of his little head. Oh Aww. man, we need, we need you here regularly. <laughs> You're the only one who's calmed him down yet. I mean, he hit on Jonna's mom when John and Maria were on the show. He climbed oh, right yeah. in her lap. Who could, who would, who wouldn't love Jonah's mom? Come on. <laughs> I, I absolutely forgot that you did a Rex impression. <laughs> So that was wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> You're That's good. Uh, we need impressions because I'm not doing Patrick Delmore or Gene. Or, um, or, uh, uh, he does voices for all of our like common listeners and listener feedback and he acts them all out. All of our listeners are common. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't do feedback on guest episodes because this will probably run longer. So, yeah. All right, you guys ready to get into this? I'm yes. ready. All right. Act one. Act one. Acting! We open on Tatooine, where Maul is wandering around going, Ugh, this is the worst beach in the world! Where's the ocean? Ah! And he's turning into a crazy person, talking to himself, and saying how he can feel that Obi-Wan Kenobi is nearby. And he screams, Kenobi! 
away in a gut-wrenching shriek that just had to kill Sam Whitworth's voice. Maul is reaching the end of his mental bandwidth and decides instead of running around in the sands forever, he'll just get a pawn to pull Kenobi out of hiding. He opens his palm, and there's a tiny little holocron charm that looks like it came from Claire's. And somewhere across the sands of Tatooine, Obi-Wan sits in his house, having a lovely morning. He's enjoying his sand tea, about to eat a nice breakfast. But he gets a chill up his spine, and he's just like, Why do I feel like it's about to be a really bad day? And then the title card pops up! And we go to Adelon Base, and go into the ghost. Ezra and Zeb are in their room sleeping. Ezra's in his pajamas. And come on, Rabbles team! You couldn't give Zeb some cute jimmy jams? Though we all know that Zeb probably sleeps in the nude. Mm. Never mind. <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's when we discovered that Lothots have retractable penises, because everyone in the show is a Ken doll. No one has penises in the show. Okay. Everyone's a Ken doll. Canaan. <laughs> we, we haven't. Say we what, Jeremy? Canaan definitely has a penis, and he definitely knows how to use it. Yeah. <laughs> but where is it? <laughs> We, well, that's the thing is, we have definitely not just, we have not determined what, what the, what the genital, genital uh, configurations are in this galaxy, apparently. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I still say uh, that Grand Inquisitors is uh, ribbed like a uh, gas station kind of handle thingy. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> Zeb is having lovely dreams about his boyfriend, Callus. Uh, Ezra is awoken by the sounds of James Arnold Taylor. He hears Obi-Wan's message from Kanan's holocron playing in another room on a creepy repeat. Ezra goes into Kanan's room and sees the message. And then, the Sith holocron starts to glow. And Maul's voice comes out of it going, Hey, apprentice! I may or may not be on Tatooine, murdering Obi-Wan Kenobi! Bye! And Ezra turns and there's Kanan in the doorway. They take this info to General Hera Space Mom Syndulla, Grunkle Rex, and Commander Sato, who probably should also have a nickname, but he dies next week, and if we haven't given him a nickname by this point in Rebels, it's too late now. Everyone asks Kanan what it all means, and Space Dad is like, fucking I don't know, I don't fucking know. I just kind of wing it with this Jedi shit most of the time. And Grunkle Rex, my dear Grunkle Rex, wants to believe that Obi-Wan is more alive than anyone else in the room. He's all like... Look, I lost Anakin and Ahsoka, and I would love to have Kenobi back. We, like, hung out and freed some slaves on Kadavo together. He let me kill a cat guy. It was pretty bitchin'. But Belorgana confirmed that he's dead. And somewhere in the galaxy, Padme's baby daddy, Belorgana, is such a sneaky bitch, and I love him. Anyway, and I will always have every excuse to call Belorgana Padme's baby daddy at all times. That's my favorite. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's not because it's true. Where's the lie? Is that made Anyway, Ezra Super Duper wants to go to Tatooine, and Kanan's like, "Hey kid, remember the episode Voices and Visions when you were hallucinating that Maul was on the base and you almost murdered a man by accident, and then me and Sabine got possessed by a bunch of witches? Yeah, we're not doing that again." And Hera pulls Ezra off to the side, and she lays down the law. They're getting ready to launch an attack on Lothal to help stop the Tide Defenders. She needs Ezra on base to help them prepare because he knows Lothal better than anyone else. And Ezra's like, fine, mom. Jeez, you never let me go anywhere. Fine. Ugh. And he goes back to his room. And what I assume is the next day, Ezra pushes over some crates to a poor, unknowing, and gullible rebel guy who is like, 
Well, oh gee, Mr. Ezra, surely you won't try to trick me to getting into this TIE fighter right here. Not TIE fighter, it's a fighter. This fighter right here that's full of gasoline and ready to fly, would you? And Ezra's like, no, I won't try to trick you at all. Oh my god, look a shiny thing! And he runs into the fighter and hops in. And the rebel guy's like, oh no, not again. Why am I so adorable and easy to trick? And Ezra flies away and head to Tatooine. He's ready to face the unknown, alone, a brave Padawan against the world, walking the solo path. And then Chopper pops up in the backseat like, what's up, fucker? Think you got away with it, don't you? And Ezra's like, what the hell are you doing here? And Chopper's like, oh, you know, ruin your day, ratting you out the usual. So where are we going? And with no choice but to keep going, Ezra lets Chopper take over flying. He pulls out the pieces of the holocron and uses the force to guide his way. And we're eight minutes into the episode by this point, and there are no clear breaks. So I'm just saying this is the end of Act 1. So what do you two think of Act 1? Uh, Welcome to me acting out the acts. No, it's great. I, I, I wish that we should animate these. Somebody call <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> I'm a very firm believer that Kanan Jarrus would swear more than anybody else if he wasn't in Star Wars. Oh, I think Rebels would be R-rated for, for many, many reasons. Chopper but, alone. Yeah, but... Just uh, Zeb yeah. on his own. You could just <laughs> clear an R-rating with Zeb and, and let everybody else get away clean. But yeah, no, you could you could definitely skew this more towards like Serenity that the Serenity show was it Serenity or Firefly? I can't. Same I get the thing. show. It doesn't matter. Up. But you know, you could you could definitely like pu- push all those characters into that area and beyond. Well, I'm gonna let you start, Jeremy. You're a guest. What do you think of Act One? What are some of your Act One notes? Uh, first, sorry for the Firefly shade. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Some of my notes are that this is a lazy setup. I don't like how they set this up at all. I don't I don't like how Ezra just wakes up and walks into a room and oh look the holocrons are on for no reason apparently. I don't I don't I don't buy it. I don't like it at all. This, Can I this actually admit something? I had a lot of difficulty getting notes for this episode because other than the final fight, there's really not a lot that goes no, on in this episode. No. Because it does it nobody cares just we want as a mall okay i'm gonna do the rest of this as a mall fan as a mall fan i don't care about any anything that could possibly be going on in the ship we don't need to see him have a conversation with space dad or space mom we don't need to see zeb sleeping we don't need any of that he sees the holocron he sees the message he gets in a, a fighter and he goes tattooing the end it's one minute it's literally one minute it doesn't need to be anything more than that it drives when I sat down, I even I sat down and watched the episode right before we got on here again, and I was just so bored with this first five minutes. I found myself pick up my phone and start playing with it. Thank you. I'm very bored during Act Two when it's just Ezra in the desert. Like, it, like it's beautiful and it's well done and it's animated great, but oh. like at the same time, like it's not why I watch Twin Suns. I watch Twin Suns for Ma and Obi Wan. Right. Right. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes now in all of Star Wars after watching it in 4K on Disney Plus is that opening shot of Maul where he's standing up in the desert and it's just him with his lightsaber hilt just kind of dangling there and he's kind of lost and then he just has his eyes are going back and forth and he's screaming, Kenobi! And like, it is so gorgeous. Oh my God. Sam Witwer is so good in that scene. Yeah. 
you, but, could, you feel well, the hatred radiating from your yeah. television. This, this episode, the, watching it the second time, and I think I sort of had the my reservations going the first time I saw them, but my brain didn't really process them until the second time. And it's like, it's almost like it's two different, there's two different things happening in this. And the one part that's happening is the th- stuff between Maul and Obi-Wan and it's very cinematic and it's very artsy and detailed and like they they put a lot of effort into the sound and everything about it to make it a little more cinematic and I, oh go ahead sorry and that and like everything that has to do with Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi is like that and then you have a rebels episode with that that has you know it just sort of is is in there it's not terrible that it's in there it does it's not it's not it doesn't like feel wrong for obi-wan and ezra to actually meet but it just feels put in there it doesn't like everything with like maul and and Obi-Wan is like almost pure visual storytelling. And there's some parts with the Ezra stuff that are like that when we get when we get into act two. But it's they they could have really they didn't need any more story. They could have just done this whole episode with Maul and Obi-Wan and just had Maul's um you know, route to Obi-Wan be a little, have him have a little, a couple, you know, run-ins on the way, you know, or, or a little cat and mouse between him and Obi-Wan that ends, you know, by, by the side of the fire. And that would have been like this beautiful, like visually, visually story told episode, kind of Zen, you know, and, uh, but, the the rebels the the rebels characters just seem kind of like an intrusion into it. The, the only one I really tied. like is is actually Rex because he's the only one that actually probably does care about Obi Wan because like we we know from A New Dawn that like Kanan met Obi Wan one time and Kanan's the reason that Obi Wan uses the beacon at the end of Episode Three. Um, but that's the only real time that, like, we know that Kanan and Obi-Wan had any interaction together. But, like, Rex has, like, seasons upon seasons of this. I would almost, like, I, I would love to almost see, like, Rex go along with Ezra instead of Chopper. Because but Rex... his knees couldn't take the desert. But, what, say that again, I'm sorry? His knees couldn't take the desert. Wait, be but, like... but, like, emotion, like, he has the only one, like... The more I thought about it is that, like, I actually I have a note in Act 3 about this, is that nobody tells Rex anything. Like, Ahsoka, I don't think, ever tells him that Vader is Anakin. And nobody tells Rex at the end of the episode that Obi-Wan's alive. And so, like, no one's telling Rex anything. And he's the one that has, like, the emotional one in this. And, like, that's one of his last connections to Clone Wars. I, I would almost want Rex to go along because that's his closure as well of somebody from his past. And he's lost everything, too. And I could almost see him, like, want to go along, but then that's an entirely different storyline of, like, him seeing Obi-Wan again and him being, well, like... Well, yeah, that would take away from the Obi-Wan and Maul yeah. story too much, you know? It'd be, yeah, it, so I, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a just better to take sword of, of, like... 
it, it's a double-edged sword of it because there's so much they could be doing, but like really the only thing that matters is, if it's is Obi-Wan minutes, and Maul. If it's 22 minutes and it's Obi-Wan versus Maul, fi- f- finale of the grudge match started in episode one, take the whole 22 minutes. It's okay, you know? I, that is my entire act two note is whether or not Ezra's <laughs> even necessary in this plot. Yeah, no, he is, he is not. He is not. <laughs> did, you, did you have any other Act One notes, Jeremy? I I don't. I I was just you know I was I agree with what a lot of what you guys are saying and and as um uh, you know Maul became a Rebels character and that's one of the cool things about him as a character. He's a chameleon. He he was a he was a small part but a big major part of the overall Star Wars lore in Episode One. He became a Clone Wars character in Clone Wars. And from his first appearance on Rebels, he became a Rebels character. So I don't buy into the whole, you had to have Ezra or Chopper there because it's an episode of Star Wars Rebels or blah, blah, blah. Right, right. Maul is, at that point, a Rebels character. Yes. You're finishing his story in Rebels. Have you seen that joke um, about how they could have used Maul and Tross? No. So the joke is, uh, it's a long comic. I'll see if I can find it to send it to you later. The whole thing is like up on the top, like everyone, like all the Jedi are like, Ray, we're here with you and stuff like that. And Ben Solo is at the beginning of the bottom of the pit and like Maul comes up. He's like, let me show you how to climb up out of pits because this is my (laughs) thing. (laughs) And he's like, I know, it's great. Well, Chris, did you have any other notes for Act 1? Um... Yeah, no, I, I, I liked how artsy the opening was, and yeah. I liked that if you put a Jedi holocron and a Sith holocron, they'll sort of fight like two Furbies. <laughs> they'll just start sort of you yelling know, at each other, you know? I tried that at Galaxy's Edge, and it did not work, and I got <laughs> um, My... Okay, so I have two notes for this, and one's not even my note. One's uh, like a think piece from another podcaster, but my my first one is, where are Zeb's pajamas? I want Zeb to have pajamas. (laughs) If not, then I want him, I want Zeb, like, you gave Ezra pajamas, give Zeb pajamas. He needs to have cute Jimmy jams. They have Zeb, to be matching. Zeb would see, I would, Zeb, like, if I was costume designing, and I'm not, like, actual serious, like, if I was a costume designer, I would put him in, like, like the like the flannel, you know, the flannel with the flap, you know, type of thing. That's what I would I, figure Zeb would sleep in. Like I would that. have him sleeping in Callus's jacket. He just holds that like Linus holds his security blanket when he's sleeping. Cool, and he sucks cool his thumb, little, too. How cool would that not have been? That would, have made, that would have made Hope very happy forever. She would have probably had to retire right after that. Oh, oh, it'd be like the Fimpo jacket thing. Oh. <laughs> the, the only thing that would be different is when we see Callus first time in season four and he walks up and he's wearing that new jacket. It has purple assault fur stuck to it. <laughs> that, that's what I would need. Um, but my only other note is um, Maul says in Twilight of the Apprentice that his revenge is against the Sith. But here we see in Twin Suns that he's going after Kenobi instead. And I thought about that, but I was watching Star Wars Explains review of this episode, and they brought up a really good point that Maul probably is aware, because he failed in Clone Wars, that he's not strong enough to take out Papa Palpatine. But he could all, he could instead go after a smaller target to take his anger out on Kenobi instead. 
But they also pointed out a, a, something that I, I think is really fitting is that Maul might just be ready to die. He might just be ready to end everything. And he wants to fight someone who will let him ha- find his demise honorably. So I guess the point is, like, do you think that's the point that he knows he can't take out Palpatine? So he's going after Kenobi. And do you think Maul's just ready to die and he just wants to have one final face off? Which I, which I, I never thought of it that way. I don't know if he's suicidal, like it, like went there to die. I, I, I don't mean to. But I think he I went there ready, to, di- ready I, I mean, to die. Yeah, I don't mean suicidal. Maybe ready I mean, to like, find out, you know. Maybe just tired. Like he's ready just to be tired. <laughs> <laughs> Since he's already lost to Obi Wan once, I don't think that's. I don't think he. I. I mean, I guess he knows that Obi Wan would give him an, a quote unquote noble death, but I mean. He killed Obi Wan's love. Why would he do that? <laughs> like that, from a from a logical standpoint, I'd be like, well, I killed that dude's girlfriend. He's definitely gonna treat me with respect when I die. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily feel that way, but I could definitely see all of the moves that he makes um, after he loses to Pal- after him and Savage lose to Palpatine in Clone Wars, where you know he kind of retreats and he starts. Uh, all the underground organizations like we like in it at and solo and now i guess further adventures of clone wars is that what we're calling it although i had to be fair i haven't watched any of this new season of clone wars yet none oh um, okay so, thank, thank you for letting me know so i don't accidentally spoil you oh i don't care but that like you can't spoil it for me it's it's not really about the end for me it's about the journey which wait, is wait. why i kind of like this episode why i, I like all the journey so much i will you know like in general like when a show was running like when resistance was running we tried to not talk spoilers in case people hadn't seen it yet because it is so fresh still so uh so just in general like we we don't talk like big spoilers like we'll say generally whether or not we like it so yeah i'll just say say in this week's episode we had darth maul so yeah i I watch i watch this episode and then i watch the new clone wars and there was darth maul so it was just like this extra a little bit of solo Darth Maul in this one, which was a surprise for me. Yes, he was actually better. It was a better appearance than the solo Darth Maul. It was a little more interactive and uh, yeah, it wasn't just uh, lively. <laughs> um, man, you guys are probably still waiting for people to watch Resistance to spoil that show, huh? Anyway. Um, yeah. Well, we're we're we'll debating. Get, yeah, we'll we're. We're debating whether or not to do Clone Wars next or Resistance after we finish Rebels. So, because we've already done all of first Clone Wars, so we might go ahead and finish Clone Wars and then do Resistance. But we're still debating which one we're gonna do first. Okay. So either way, we're doing all animation, so we're gonna get to them eventually. So. We may not get to uh, to Ewoks or droids, but we'll see. Freemakers is still on the table as well. I would like to do Freemakers Adventures one day. Oh yeah, so. yeah. No, I'd be totally into that. Yeah. But that's all I had for Act One. Do you guys have anything else for Act One? I'm ready for Act Two. I'm 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 not ready for Act Two. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should start with my note with Act Two because I think it encompasses how we all feel. So oh, all right, oh. Act Two. Ezra directs Chopper as they move through the sky. He uses the holocrons to guide his path, and they land their ship near some rock formation thingies. I don't know what they're called. Um, Ezra leaves Chopper with the ship, and he heads out. Ezra follows the holocron and finds, pause for dramatic effect, the Sith holocron, and he realizes that it's a trap! Whooping round as blaster bolts rain down on him. He sees Tusken Raiders breaking into the ship, smashing out the windows, 
And you know, not making their ship ideal for space flight. Chopper flies out of there while Ezra grapples with a Tuscan Raider. And somewhere in the galaxy, a young Din Djarin is like, Guys, just learn some sign language and it, serves, it solves all your Tuscan problems. But Ezra doesn't know any sign language and Chopper doesn't have hands. So they run away as the Tuscans shoot at their ship and it explodes. Before the Tuscans can do anything else, Maul pops up behind them and goes, Hey guys, you want to see my Anakin Skywalker impression? And he kills them all with lightsabers. I thought that one was funny. (laughs) (laughs) I had fun writing that one. Ezra wakes up and thinks that the ship explosion scared off all the Tuscans. With no ship and stranded on a desert planet, they have no choice but to move forward and look for Obi-Wan Kenobi. The sun rises and it starts getting hot outside. Our heroes reach reach the edge of the rock ridge thingy that I still don't know the name of. And before them is a long ass stretch of nothing but sand. Ezra suggests that they walk along the ridge. But then he sees a mirage of Maul out in the sands and he hears his voice. But Chopper doesn't see anything. And Ezra decides that heading out into the sands after a crazy person who has tricked them before is a great idea. And Chopper is like... You gotta be out of your fleshy mind, kid. That's stupid. And Ezra tells Chopper if he wants, he can follow the ridge and find a settlement to contact home base. And Ezra heads down to the sands. Chopper mulls over it a few moments, sighs, and goes, Ugh, you fucking kid! And he rolls out after Ezra while bitching about it the entire damn time. And they walk right into a sandstorm. Chris, play sandstorm here. Play sandstorm here. Oh, uh, where am I? Ezra hears Maul's voice telling Ezra to feel pain and sadness, to make Obi-Wan come after him. Actually, don't play Sandstorm, Chris. We've already used that in the show. I probably shouldn't use it twice. <laughs> it's already playing, Hope. It's already playing. It's too late. It's All right, too every- late. Everyone dance to Sandstorm. Sometimes the songs come back, guys. I'm sorry. It happened. <laughs> Pretty sure we've used uh, a few Beyonce songs a few times. Ezra grits his teeth and tells Chopper to keep moving. Later, once they're out of the sandstorm, but they're still in the desert, and Ezra is tired and thirsty, and Chopper's power cells are running low. It's a sad little showing. Chopper sputters on his last curse word, and he limps and shuts down. And Ezra panics because now he's alone in the desert with no idea what to do. He hears Maul's voice taunting him over and over about how Obi-Wan is dead, and it's all Ezra's fault. And Ezra swings at an image of Maul and collapses. And just as he's passing out, a gross, moldy, smelly old man in a hooded figure arrives and stares down at Ezra as he passes out. What'd you think about, too? I think Sandstorm is the most exciting part of this act. <laughs> I will. I, I do like the Sandstorm. It's so beautifully animated. And I like how they wear, like they show yes. like the sand sticking to Ezra and Chopper and how they look more worn and dusty. Like the animation is so pretty. Well, it's such a boring thing. That's what I'm saying. I would have rather have seen like the, the, the effort put into that. Like that scene stands out amongst like, the fight with Obi-Wan and, and like the scene in the beginning with Maul. I wish it would have been instead of Ezra, maybe Maul with his droid that he had with him, you know, maybe he had a walkie kind of droid, but then 
because like the sound of you can hear like chopper's mechanism like he's losing energy you could hear he's got sand in his gears and stuff it's just very nicely done they really paid attention to the the sound design and uh you know it just has an extra layer of detail to it that's really nice jeremy what do you think about too uh i like chopper (laughs) (laughs) chopper Chopper is us in and watching this like ten minute stretch of episode where we're like, are you fucking kidding me? We're gonna keep doing this. Um, I like the t- I like seeing Tuscan Raiders only because they've always been one of my favorite Star Wars races. I, and I don't, I mean, they don't really do much besides what they always do. But I'm, I'm, it's just nonsense. It's complete and utter nonsense. It is. Then I'm gonna start with my big note because my I think my big note is what everybody feels. Um, is Ezra even necessary in this episode? Could it just no. be entirely Maul and searching for Obi-Wan? Yes. Would it be weird to have no main cast members in this? And I think no. you I think you <laughs> said it right, Jeremy, is that Maul's chameleon and they made him a Rebels character. Yeah. And, you know, this whole, one of one of my least favorite things about Dave Filoni as, like, a storyteller, I don't like random voice calling out to you type stuff because he leans on it like a crutch a lot and that it kind of drives me a little insane sometimes and this this whole 10 minutes is nothing like what are what is Ezra even what are they even trying to accomplish with this what is, he's not like you say he's not learning anything he's not getting anywhere he's literally just wandering around aimlessly with nothing to do like just basically second guessing every choice that got him to this he's like where he is with chopper going yeah you moron why are we here yeah he's he's filling in time till he gets to till they can have him at the fire with obi-wan kenobi basically it wouldn't bother me as much about the whole mall calling out to ezra if they didn't already do it in the season three opener right and in voices and visions like that's That's how Maul gets Ezra, and this is the third time we're seeing it, so now it's just getting repetitive. Well, that's what I was, that's what I was saying. It's like, and he, he does it in Clone Wars. He does it in other parts of Rebels with other characters. He's done it in um, Avatar. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a crutch that I wish he didn't lean on so much because it loses all its meaning once he does it so many times. Yeah, it's like, fool me three times, shame on me times two or whatever. I don't know. It's, yeah. but it's pretty bad. <laughs> and and Kanan says as much. He said, "Yeah, oh, oh, it's Maul. Yeah, the guy who tricks you every time that you uh you get a get a Skype call from him in your brain, you know." You know, and I, I think I, I I understand what they're trying to do here. They're trying to complete Ezra's story with Maul, and it's. It, it's fr- I, I understand that's what they're doing it. They're just not doing it well. They're, they're trying to round out that yeah. emotional story of Maul and, and Ezra. But the thing is, is like, it's not needed because, as you said, because that's the other half of my note, Ezra's not having any character growth. Like, the big lesson is that he should have listened to Hera and stay with his family. But he's learned this lesson like 12 million times over in the series. Like, that is and Ezra's story. And, and the it whole, has nothing to do with Maul. Yeah, it like it, cause it that's that's what's so frustrating at the end because he gets back and Hera's like, "Whoa, did you learn anything?" And he's like, "I learned that my family's important." And I'm like, "What the fuck did that have to do with anything?" It should have just been like, "Maul's dead." That's it. You didn't have to learn a lesson. <laughs> but 
Like, and, and I think that's what's so frustrating. And it dawned on me, and this middle section reminds me so much of A Sunny Day in the Void from Clone Wars. Um, it's better written and better animated than A Sunny Day in the Void because Whack and Gascon just never need to appear in the light of day ever again. But it's still the same thing of nothing is happening. Ezra's not learning I, anything. And I, and it's just boring to watch. It's so boring to watch. It's, it's There's, like... There's there's only one thing that like I think is that I liked about Ezra being in this, but it's in part three, and uh, and it's not and it has nothing and it and it has actually nothing to do with like Ezra's real story arc. It was just sort of a nice little de- detail that I noticed or or maybe even read into or whatever. But like yeah, it's it's and the thing about it is that when you're watching it it actively like kind of is 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 like gears grinding because you're like i don't want to see this this isn't you know i'm i'm not here to see this <laughs> and I, I it's was just not about and to it's ask. not doing anything it's just like come on why are we spending time with Ezra doing something when we could have you know i mean like i mean this is years before um the mandalorian but you know the Mandalorian could could spend five to eight minutes of scenes of just Maul wandering the desert and do it like a, you know, mystical kung fu movie crossed with a western, and just have this whole quiet Zen thing of him and Obi Wan slowly moving together to the, and it would have been amazing. And so like the whole time this is going on, you're just sort of like, please. Yeah, like. <laughs> Like that's the question. Like, why why do we watch Twin Sons from all and Obi Wan? Well, it's like you said in the earlier notes. Like they deleted the whole thing where he saw Satine and uh, Savage and all that. Why would you do that? Just center the episode, or like you said, around Maul and Obi Wan coming together, and he could be the one that falls over in the desert and he starts hearing those their voices and stuff because they're ghosts that he carries with them. The only reason why I can see that would be cut is because this was the first show under Disney properties. So there's probably people watching this who did not watch Clone Wars. And so that would, (laughs) I, I, I agree. Um, but like, that's, that's the only reason why I could see them not doing that, but why not? Yeah. Like that's, that's my biggest in storytelling. It's like, well, I didn't see the other ones. Oh, well, but here's problem. the thing about that though is even if the people even the people who are like I don't quite know what's going on there you know what they do the first thing you do is two minutes later you're watching a, a 15 minute YouTube video where somebody's explaining yeah. you know what you know what's the history of Darth Maul so you know what's going you know you can find that information very easily and most people do you know I so. Guess storyteller don't worry about it and just be like hey if, if you don't know what the fuck's going on it's okay you can yeah. now watch this and just let yeah the story no where that's actually what i love so much about solo and rogue one when it comes to maul and saul guerrera they didn't have to explain that saul guerrera was a clone wars character he was just part of rogue one they didn't explain yeah. how maul came back in solo it just was there well and that's well, what i liked about those well maul le- le- like yeah maul was definitely just sort of there maul maul was a little conf- more confusing i think than saw Guerrera because people remember seeing Maul before. Like if they hadn't watched Clone Wars uh, and and Rebels, they wouldn't know who Saw Guerrera was. 
but it didn't matter because he was just another character who showed up and and did his part so you didn't have to know what his history was at all to have him work in 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 that whereas whereas maul was just sort of a cameo that 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 showed up but yeah and and also maul like it it added a little bit to the story it added a little bit of knowledge of that of of that woman's character but it wasn't necessary for the movie you know i love kira (laughs) i actually just thought of something that would be fun um and we'll go around the table and do this and i'm springing this on both of you guys so you guys don't have time for prayer so lightning round um um we'll start with you jeremy we have now struck Ezra and Chopper from this episode, and the entire episode is 22 minutes of Maul and Obi-Wan. How, Jeremy, would you write this episode and write the journey from the beginning to the end? Uh, I'd start the exact same way, only um, I, would have, I would have Maul being the one wandering through Tatooine. And you, you can even throw in your stupid, unnecessary Luke Skywalker cameo and have him walk past the Lars homestead or ride past or whatever and see a little kid and file that away and be like, Oh, you know, I'm sensing something weird over there. I'll have to ask Obi-Wan about that later. But, and then I'd still have it end the same way, only with more crowdy kid music. <laughs> Not expecting the crowdy kid ending. Chris, how would uh, you do it any different? I would go a little, I would go a little, crazier with it not crazier but i would i would like i would cut ezra out but what i would have is i would have just like i would have the beginning and the end would be this the same at least the end as far as the the sword fight you know from you know as long as it didn't have ezra in it but what i would have is maul shows up on tattooing and is searching for obi-wan Obi-Wan gets a vague idea that he, and then you just have a cat and mouse where Obi-Wan's got a vague idea that Maul's coming for him, but he doesn't want to do anything to draw any attention. So he's trying to avoid him. And then Maul slowly, as they're triangulating each other, Maul slowly picks up on Luke and, uh, and, uh, realizes he can use Luke to, uh, um, draw Obi-Wan and so basically Luke would just sort of be like um, um, Ezra in this episode where he would you know he he may maybe he bumps into Maul or something it would have to be something where he never really got a cl- where Luke never really got a clue what that Maul was any kind of like Jedi Sith force user he would just be like you know some weird traveler who showed up at Moss Isley or something, but you know, um, Ma would start messing with him just enough to get Obi Wan out, and then have their sword fight. And you could I you could that. have a similar story, and it would be fun to see Luke. It would be fun to have Luke as a character, and it would be fun to write him so that he's sort of clueless through it. You know, he's just sort of going throughout his day, and just sort of gets used as a pawn in it. You can even have Luke carrying power converters. No. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I amend mine while he's wandering the desert and he sees visions of maybe like Qui-Gon and so forth, so on, so on. I think he communes with Yoda. 
and not in a like joking way like Yoda's still sleeping on my lap so we don't need him to make an appearance. Yeah, <laughs> but, don't say his like, name too loud. Yeah, but uh You say his name three times he appears. It's interesting to see what Yoda would have to say to somebody like a mall who's just so full of I'm, I'm try to figure yeah. try one last time to reach through to him and say, you know, you're you've been guided by hate your entire life. What would happen if you just let go of it and then just have Sam Witwer and his Sam Witwer voice be like, I can't. What about instead of Yoda, but maybe Bindu? Nah. Bindu doesn't care about that shit. Well, I was going to say, because Bindu and Maul have already been in the same place together, so Maul is on Bindu's radar. But maybe maybe Yoda is using it as a distraction so that he doesn't. Because Yoda knows where Luke is. Maybe he's also trying to distract Maul so he can't detect Luke. I think with Bendu too, I don't think Bendu really takes active interest to like, he's not in the frame of where he's going to show up and help you. I think like if you interact with Bendu, you happen to be through the force at the place where Bendu's hanging out, you know? So I don't, I think the odds of Maul and Bendu ever running into each other again are probably like infinitesimally small. Hmm. Because he's just like an amoeba to, to Ben, you know, like Ben, ben Bendu would be like, oh, how interesting. I've run into the same fly twice in the same <laughs> galaxy, you know. For for me, like kind of like an amalgam of both of both viewers. I like the idea of the cat and mouse and like using Luke and him like seeing visions of Satine and, and um, Savage. So I was like, what's his name? But the, the thing that I actually kind of wish there was a little bit more of um. You don't know this, Jeremy, but um, when we were doing Clone Wars and we were doing the final Mandalore arc where Maul kills Satine, there's a scene where Obi-Wan is, of course, mourning Satine, and he still talks to Maul very respectfully, even though he's mad and upset, and he still gives Maul a chance to surrender instead of just going into a rage. And we had a very long debate, like, talk for, like, 15 minutes um, about how Maul and Obi-Wan's journey has progressed together and how they were both young and reckless. And then in Clone Wars, when they see each other again, they're a little bit more mature. And even though they don't, they hate each other, there is definitely a respect there. Like Maul respects Obi-Wan in the way that he respects a, a really well-made nemesis. And, and the Obi-Wan person re- who cut him in half, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he respects Obi-Wan in the way that he respects him as a fighter and as a person, stuff like that. And then when we get here to Rebels... Like, Obi-Wan is treating Maul, again, still with respect. And he doesn't actually draw his lightsaber until Maul mentions Luke. And up to that point, he's willing to talk to Maul. And I would almost want, like, that talking scene to be a little bit longer. Like, and have Obi-Wan just being like, what is the point of this? Like, we've been doing this now for 30 years. And neither of us are getting anywhere. Why are we still doing this? Like, we are both relics of a time that is not even here anymore we died with the Republic. Like our, our time has left, you know, there are no more Jedi. You're not a Sith Lord anymore because Palpatine and Vader are here. Like what even are we? And have that scene just be like a little bit longer of him trying to reach out to Maul the way he did in Clone Wars after Satine died. And then still having Maul, like giving Maul that chance to be like, do I want to go through with this or not? And Maul then does not go through and then they have their fight just to have that like one like little scene of them, as characters reflecting on 30 years of their time together and 30 years of history and having that moment like of them being like of giving Maul the choice of 
I am the one making this choice. I'm either going to go through with this or not. And I, I like that's that's what I wish was different was to have more like gravity to their situation because the gravity that, here I, all that all that might have happened internally just when they were sizing yeah. each other up, you know. But, but I would have liked yeah, to have seen it. Saying. I don't I don't think I think that as viewers who may have watched all of this unfold, I think we all know all of that, and I think the characters know all of that, and I think that was their way of saying. We know that you guys know what's going on here right now, and they know what's happening right now. And I and that the time for reaching out to each other or trying to have a conversation or anything of that magnitude is over. And this is then they've they've reached the end game, and there, there's there's no time for that now. There's no time for it because the first fucking 18 minutes is with Ezra and Chopper. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah, but that's all I have for Act 2. Did you guys have anything else? No, God, no. All I'm right. Wrap this puppy up. Yeah, see, And now the saddest moments in all of Star Wars. All right, let's wrap up the puppies. Act 3. When Ezra wakes up, it's nighttime. He sees Chopper working once again, and he's stuck to a power cell. And behind Chopper is a do-bag. And Ezra gazes across the fire, and there's Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Ezra's like, oh my god, it's you! I found you! Okay, 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 be cool, be cool, Ezra. Breathe, Ezra. It's just, it's just, be cool, be cool, be cool, be cool, 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 cool. Master Kenobi, there's so much I wish to tell you! First of all, Rex says hi, and he misses you. Second, Ahsoka Tano may or may not be dead. It's kind of unclear at this point. And third of all, and Obi-Wan cuts in going... You don't need to warn me about Maul. I know he's here on Tatooine. We got this sort of like 30 year long good guy, bad guy rivalry thing going on. I cut him in half. He killed my girlfriend. It's a whole thing. Anyway, when you feel up to it, you can just go on your way. And Ezra's like, on my way? No, the holocron said that you're the answer to defeating the Sith. And Obi-Wan's like, uh, no. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's right, kid. I'm I'm not the chosen one. I'm just protecting the chosen one. So you just wanna like fuck off and leave now, kid? And Obi-Wan explains that Maul used the holocrons to trick Ezra. He goes a little bindu for half a second saying that Ezra believed what he wanted to hear, not actually seeing the real truth of what happened. And suddenly Maul comes up and he puts down a door and he kicks in the door and he goes, Hey apprentice! Thanks for leading me to Obi-Wan! Hey! Hey! Hey, Obi-Wan! Obi-Wan, fuck you! You look old! And Kenobi is just like, ugh, this fucking guy. Alright, Ezra kid, it's time for you to go now for good. I gotta kick this guy's ass. Oh wait, Maul, you don't have an ass, because I cut you in half! Remember when I cut you in half? And Maul's like, remember when I shanked your girlfriend in front of you? Good times. And Ezra's like, yeah, maybe I should just, you know, like, just get on and out of here or something. All right, you guys seem like you guys have a lot of stuff to work out. And I shouldn't have been in this episode in the first place because I've been taking up 18 minutes of this shit. So I'm just going to go. And Obi-Wan gives Ezra his due bag and Chopper hops on the back of the creature. And Ezra rides away into the night. And now for the only good part of this episode. <laughs> it's time for Maul and Obi-Wan to finally face off. They size each other up, 
And Maul's like, yeesh, you look like shit, old man. Why would you ever want to be here? And Obi-Wan is all chill and collected, and he seems ready to talk things out. But the moment Maul realizes that Obi-Wan is protecting someone, Obi-Wan is like, well, shit, there goes the peaceful route. And they whip out their sabers, and they get ready to fight. They run through every single battle they ever had through their minds. Naboo, Hondo's Palace, Mandalore. And now, one final fight. Maul moves first, but it's over so fast as Obi-Wan strikes him down. But Obi-Wan cradles his enemy, and in a way, holds on to the last tie of his old life, the last piece of the Republic, and the Jedi of old, and when the Clone Wars was actually the good time of Kenobi's life. And he holds Maul as he dies and treats him with honor. And Maul has no more hatred. He wants to know that their lives were not wasted. He asks if Obi-Wan is protecting the Chosen One, the one who will defeat the Sith. And Obi-Wan says that he is correct, and Maul, no longer a Darth, and his original name long forgotten, gets to finally find some peace in death. Anyway, Rebel Ezra gets back to the Rebel base, and he's flying Maul's ship, just FYI, but his Maul's ship is called the Knight Brother, which I thought was a cool little note. And pretty much there's a My Little Pony ending, and Hera's all like, Did you learn your lesson, Hera, uh, Ezra? And Ezra's like, oh, gee whiz, Mom, I learned that family is important, and I know where I belong, which is a lesson that I'm learning for the 488th fucking time in the show! But Maul's dead now, and we get his bitchin' ship. Woohoo! We get a new car! And the episode ends with Obi-Wan riding out to Lars's moisture thaw- Uh, moisture thaw! <laughs> Whoa. His, his moist thong? Yes, that's exactly what right. I would imagine Lars would have a pretty moist thong. <laughs> and I imagine they would save the moisture because it comes does not come cheap on tattooing. To the moisture farm. And Luke's mom, because she actually raised him, Aunt Beru, calls Luke in for dinner, and in the distance, we see Luke Skywalker run home. The actually, that, that's, the brand, that's the brand name of thong that I use. It's called Moisture Farm. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Lars Homestead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. The actual good part of the episode. That's what how they make the. That's how they make the blue milk. They they dip the the thongs in water. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Dude, that's what episode ten is going to be about. Ray's stuck on tattooing moisture farming thongs. <laughs> she's like you guys wanted this so then she just rings it out <laughs> anyway. what'd you think of act three jeremy as the mall guy actually yeah let's let's just start like let's talk about the fight because that's really the only actually the about. official name is mall rats that's what they call them oh <laughs> but I'm... no it's not at all <laughs> uh you know, it was bittersweet. And then what kills me about this episode was that going into it, I mean, it takes a... It, in another universe, in another galaxy, there's the shock ending where Maul defeats Obi-Wan and everybody in their living rooms is like, what the fuck just happened? But that's not what we got. And we had to say goodbye to my beloved Maul. And, you know, it, it played out exactly how it should have. Like you said, 
they played out every battle they ever had with each other and everything they ever studied about each other in their eyes and with their feet and with their movements before Maul moved in. And then, I mean, that's that's all it took. They they tried some, and they, there was nothing else to do except die. You know, and, people often call this fight one of the greatest lightsaber fights of all of Star Wars. What What's your thoughts on that? I, I'd say it's up there. Why? Just, I... I I don't like lightsaber battles that much. I think they're boring. Just watching two guys clash light swords against each other is just kind of meh to me. But I like this one because of how different it is, because they've fought each other so many times. There's drama there because you don't know, you know, has one of them learned something that I didn't know that they knew? Or, you know, I fought this guy so many times. If I come in like this, is he going to be able to block me this time? And from Maul's side, he's like, I can't do this again because he defeated me once. And if I do the same thing again, I'll lose my life and my battle is over. And, you know, maybe that is what I want, but do I want to run? There's so much playing out in that, like 45 seconds that it instantly, it just, it instantly rises it above just like, Oh, here you are. Oh, here you are. And then they just run at each other. That's not, that's not interesting to me that this is interesting. What about you, Chris? Is this one of the greatest lightsaber fights of all time? Yes, it is, definitely. And the, th- the thing about light, I'm going to sort of just sort of nuance around the same thing Jeremy said pretty much is um, I'm not big on lightsaber fights either. Like, obviously, it seems like Star Wars movies, even like Solo, they had to have a variation, something like a lightsaber fight in it. That like the the there almost seems to be a need to have lightsaber fights and they need to be quote unquote really cool and stuff, but the best lightsaber fights are always the one ones that have the rich personal drama embroiled in them. You know, Luke fighting Vader um, both times, um, Obi Wan fighting Vader both times. Um, this this fight, you know, ones that are just sort of like the Ahsoka Vader fight of Twilight of the Apprentice. Yes, yes, where it's, you know, there's a drama. The 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 in um, the Force Awakens that that first fight with with uh, Kylo and Rey and um, Finn is, you know, their 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 personal dramas are all being acted out in it and it you know it reflects the emotional things going on and this one is is like even more refined from the because everybody after the prequels and you know all the stuff where you saw the jedi at the height are just like man that fight with vader in in obi-wan and star wars is so boring you know and uh because it's and and this fight goes a long way to sort of retcon that by saying sometimes there is a fight that's more like two samurai you know where they where that you know there's there's a sort of in battle fight and then there's this one that's more of a almost uh almost has a ceremonial aspect to it in the way that it plays out and it's and it's amazing and it has this it sort of reminded me a little bit of the ending of no country for old men Whereas, not to spoil it, but it's a very abrupt ending where you're just like watching along. And you're like, oh, it's over. And this one, it's, it, you know, they, 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 
do a little parry and you're like, okay, here comes a fight and then it's over. And then you realize what happens and it, and then your brain puts it together. And that's just great visual storytelling, you know? So yeah, I, I definitely think this is, this is one of the best, best. It, go, it goes right up there with all the best ones, you know? I'm going to say yes to everything you both said. I'm going to add one more thing to it. The thing of what I like about this was after I found out that Obi-Wan used Qui-Gon's stance and Maul used the move he used to kill Qui-Gon because that brings their 30-year history full circle. They started in Phantom Menace with Qui-Gon's death and Maul killing Qui-Gon and that's what made Obi-Wan fight Maul. And now we've come full circle. They've done every other battle under the sun and they come back to Phantom Menace and they do the moves the two moves is what made them come together in the first place. And it's a very poetic full circle that brings yeah. these two back to their origins. They're communicating with the moves almost like they were sign language or something by doing that, you know? They're 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 almost talking to each other. And that and actually him 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 doing the Qui-Gon one is almost like him almost signaling that he's willing to die because we know the outcome of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan was a you know established as like lightsaber fighting was you know he was a better lightsaber fighter than Qui-Gon you know that wasn't Qui-Gon's thing as much and uh so you know he t- he took out Maul where where Qui-Gon couldn't so so him going into Qui-Gon mode was sort of you know uh, yeah, it, it almost seems like it's almost asking Obi-Wan to put him out of his misery. Jeremy, so, you're the mall guy. I'm just sad thinking about it all over again. <laughs> you're the mall guy. Why, why do you think Maul Pope, tried the move that he... Pope, yeah? They call them mall walkers. I let, oh, man. You know, my comic shop is in a mall. Ooh. Mine was too. <laughs> uh, uh, isn't it the worst? Because you have to play, go by mall hours. Yes. Yeah, oh, that should be your your podcast. The Mall Walker. Mall hours, starring oh. the Mall Walker. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but uh, Jeremy, I wanted to ask you as the mall guy, like, why why do you think he tried the move on Qui Gon, uh, Qui- that the move that he used to kill Qui Gon on Obi Wan? Like, wh- why do you think he went that route? Um, well, for one, it worked. That's true. And then, I mean, I mean that that red barrier that Obi Wan's behind is kind can kind of maybe he didn't see it. No, I'm just joking. Um, you know. At the end of the day, like I said, it boiled down to, okay, we fought each other so many times. Is there anything that I can do right now that he hasn't seen before or he hasn't seen from me? And when you run out of options, then, you know, you're like, okay, Hail Mary time. And and I think that what you guys were talking about is right. I think that he tried, they they went back to what, what started everything and then it just didn't work this time. Yeah. And, and maybe he was kind of asking Obi-Wan to put him out of his misery. Maybe not, maybe to defeat him and not kill him, but maybe he was just like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, these metal legs are getting clanky and I, I can't, I can't move like I used to. 
I got this one last shot here to do something that I've always wanted to do and somebody I've always wanted to defeat and would be a feather in my cap that for just for my purposes and my personal interests would, you know, great. I would greatly appreciate besting this enemy. And he threw a Hail Mary out there and it just didn't work. And that's why at the end, I think that's why he was finally able to let go of everything. He was like, okay, I gave it my best shot and I can't do it. What do you think about that, his dying scene? Because, like, Obi-Wan could have been like, all right, bitch, bye, and you walk off and, like, leave him to die. But, like, he comforts that's, him. That's that's not Obi-Wan. And maybe Obi-Wan was, like, maybe Obi-Wan has had a few years to feel bad about just sort of uh, walk, <laughs> walking away from Anakin and chucking his lightsaber at him and, <laughs> and just walking away and was like, you know. And maybe he was like, this was an honorable fight. I'm going to let this guy die with, with honor, you know? And I mean, Obi-Wan always seems to be just generally, you know, kind of kindness is sort of one of his things. He's a civilized Jedi. Yes. Then, and that's then, I mean, he's keep kind of, it's kind of like, you know, the British in him. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's, he's, he's, he like, they respect each other a great deal, as Hope said, and now that now that it's over, well, he gave he gave him the closure that he needed in death. Maul, Maul could have Maul could have used the the stance that he used just before he killed Satine. Yeah. Just to piss off Obi Wan, but he you know yeah. he didn't you know or so, so, something it. like that you know. I not that not that the stance that killed Qui Gon is any better, but. <laughs> Well, Maybe I mean, just a little. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think that in his last moments, he was just kind of like, you know what? Okay, th- th- this is over. I, I, uh, I wish it wasn't Obi Wan, because then he could have killed him. He'd still be alive. <laughs> I, 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 I wrote my feelings um, when I wrote my review. I, I think the reason that Obi-Wan treated him so well is because Maul is really one of the very last connections to to his his past. And I, I, I never really thought about it before until I was listening to another podcast called Lousy Beautiful Town. And they were reviewing kind of the first episode of The Clone Wars, and they brought up a good point that... The Clone Wars is actually the good times for Anakin. That's the good times for Ahsoka, and that's the good times to for Obi Wan. It is kind of crazy to think about that. This war was the best time of their lives, but it really was. Like that was the only time that, that. Hold on, let me finish my point, Chris. Like that was the only time like they actually had like kind of a family unit and people who loved them and cared about them. And when the Clone Wars ended, it was just twenty years of just tragedy and horrificness and and maul is the like last kind of piece to that old time all right chris go on <coughs> i just swallowed thanks some, chris thanks some pepsi <laughs> down the wrong shoot right at the wrong time okay dig this man i just thought of this what if um you know maul's been sort of obsessed with finding obi-wan kenobi since we've reconnected with him and what if like since obi-wan kenobi killed him that in a way darth maul's been sort of a ghost since then you know he's been just sort of this directionless you know force of well he's had direction but he's just sort of like this back from the dead no connections evil 
and you know his obsession with finding obi-wan kenobi is in as much that he wants to kill him is that he thinks that like obi-wan kenobi owes it to him to kill him you know as as sort of the guy who made him into the ghost that that you know not like a literal ghost right <laughs> right right but he is but he, somebody who's cut like a lazarus or you know somebody's come back from the dead you know like purgatory and and i mean when he came back he didn't know who he was or what was going on or you know it was he he did a complete like rebirth and and he's been just this <clears throat> sort of character who's been at odds with himself and just sort of striking out against the <coughs> everything around him and, and just try and just, you know, focusing on power. But at the same time, knowing he's never going to be like, you know, you got Palpatine at, at the top of the evil power structure. So he's just sort of like this, you know, he was created by, you know, to serve Palpatine back, way back when and all that's over and he's just sort of a walking walking ghost and you know he's kind of like that and like obi and maybe obi-wan to some extent feels that he does owe it to him in some way you know and then and then stuff like killing satine and stuff is just he's doing stuff to try to get obi-wan to kill him (laughs) you know i'll Oh, I killed your master. You know, well, the, the, the killing Qui Gon was before the before the whole uh, ghost thing. But like, yeah, I, I killed your girlfriend. Now, come on, <laughs> is that enough? <laughs> He's kind of like the high school quarterback bully guy who doesn't leave town after he graduates, and he tell he's kind of telling everybody by doing those things. Hey, remember when I was I was the chosen one at one point? Remember when I was a big deal out here? I, <laughs> yeah won the state championship when I killed Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> yeah. He, he shoves his fist with this high school ring in everybody's face, stumbling out of the bar all drunk. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. you know, uh, do you think that there was a storyline in Clone Wars where he he reawakens with those metal legs or whatever, instead of finding hate, the Jedi find him and turn him? I've always wondered about this. What would we you guys actually, think if they tried to do that? I think it was it was always possible. We, we talked about that a little bit when we were when we did Voices and Visions. We we talked about what Maul would have been like if if he hadn't have been like what kind of Jedi he would have been, um, and like what he would have been like if he had had kind of went a different path. And we kind of thought that he would probably follow a lot of the Asajj of interest path. Like, he probably wouldn't go fully good, but I don't think he would be, like... I I could see him taking a very similar path to Asajj and and being very ventricy. I I think think if if he did go full good, it would be too much. He would be like a a crusader, you know? Mm -hmm. He would overcomp... If if that were to be his path, he would overcompensate and be like, you know... Kind uh, of like... Kind of like Zuko in Avatar, where he's just like, okay, I'm the good guy now. I have to make up for everything I ever did. Yeah, yeah, and 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 would be maybe a little over sanctimonious and stuff, because Maul's always kind of dramatic, you know. But 
at the same time, the you know the reason that he's not a match for Palpatine and was not a match for Dooku and stuff is only one can be the most dramatic bitch in the room. <laughs> well, he's also probably got enough good potential good in him and just like well you know hum, humanity or just you know normal connectedness to normal life in him that he could still you know I I've always it, it always seemed like his connection with Ezra Bridger was maybe uh, as, uh, you know, as much a cry for help as maybe, you know, it always seemed like he would be like, well, the path to least resistance for me is evil, but his sub subconsciously, he was always like, but, you know, I'm always going to mess with these guys who are like the most potentially <laughs> people who would most potentially have the most potential to turn me to the good side, you know? He's like an evil hondo. <laughs> Ugh, I love yes. Hondo. Yes. Um, I have one more note, and I talked about this a little bit last week, about how I have one big mall note uh, for all of Rebels, and it's actually a gripe. It's a big old mall gripe. Um, and a lot of this stems from how I feel a lot about season four of Rebels. One of, to me, like one of the biggest mistakes that Rebel ever made was to make season four a half season. Season four needed to be a full season, and they could have pulled Maul's storyline into season four more. Because here's the thing. When Maul shows up in Twilight of the Apprentice, it's a big fucking deal that Maul is there. And when when we were, we talked about this at the end of season two, that one of my big gripes of season two going forward is there are no force enemies after season two. All the Inquisitors are dead. Um, Vader doesn't make another appearance, and then Palpatine doesn't show up until the finale. So that time period, there are no Force bad guys other than Maul. But Maul is only in four fucking episodes of the entire show. He's barely in the series, and he's supposed to be this big deal. He's supposed to be this huge looming threat that is there to be in the place of the Vader, of the Inquisitors, to be there until we get to Palpatine at the end. And he's barely in the show. And then he's gone. And I, I really feel like they could have used Maul more in Rebels and even put, put Twin Sons in Season 4 and made Season 4 longer to have more of that force threat content. So that is my big Maul gripe of Rebels, is I wish they used Maul more, because he's supposed to be this huge deal, but he's barely in the show. And I then when he... When, hold on, guys, one more second. And when he is in the show, they just use repeated storylines of, oh, he's calling Rebel, uh, calling Ezra on the holocron. Ezra goes there. Ezra's like, oh, God, I've been tricked. They beat Maul. Maul scampers away. And then repeat for three episodes. I, I think that I think their their plan is with the with the um as as sort of I don't know if you'd call it a lesson learned or just something stemming from the prequels where you know you get Vader's whole backstory and you know human and then you get Clone Wars so you know so now anybody who's watched the prequels and watched all the cartoons and, and, you know, read the books and comics and stuff, they see Anakin in Darth Vader, you know, at all times after that, you know? And so I think that they realized with like the, the major tier baddies, they had to make people like new people like Thrawn and the Inquisitors that they could have turn up more often because the big baddies, if you have too much of them, 
they they lose a little bit of their their scariness you know they lose a little bit of the 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 suspense that you have when they when they finally do turn up and then when they turn up it's more of a a big a big deal and it seems more it feels more threatening you know yeah. the, the sort of old horror movie thing of like you don't want to show the mo- you want to show the monster just a little bit until the end sort of thing that's my theory is i think they consciously were trying not to have them in there too much because then they would become too mundane as a character or too you'd become too familiarized with them what do you um, think jeremy i think that rebels was more about uh, the force connection between Kanan and Ezra and Ezra learning um, from Kanan more than just having a force baddie to battle. But I also think that you would have gotten that if they would have never introduced Thrawn. I think once you once you put Thrawn on there, and they and I think they knew this too, once you put Thrawn on there, nobody's going to care about anything else. Like, the, there's, there's no reason... And Thrawn is not necessarily going to lead you down the path of force fights and force mythology and stuff like that and i think that that was their way of saying this whole show is not going to just be about ezra and the force i think that they they were just like you know what it's also going to be about a lot of other things and i think that's just what it boils down to is they just didn't want to do a force mythology show I, I do partially agree with that because I, I do like how they use Thrawn as Hera's adversary because she has been just kind of like the first two episodes. She's just kind of the solid space mom. But yeah. Thrawn is now Hera's adversary. And that, that was something we talked about at the end of season two as well, about how the Inquisitors was... that I am working on slowly on a big think piece about how Kanan would not be the Jedi he is without the Grand Inquisitor. Like their stories are so intric- intricately tied together that... Kanan needs the Grand Inquisitor to be his foil and his mirror because they are the same character walking parallel on two different paths. One is the path of the light side, one is the path of the dark side, and they are pretty much the same fucking character and they need each other. Uh, but after season two, like then the sh- character, like the show shifts from the smaller story of Lothal to the bigger story of the rebellion. And that's where I think they definitely use Thrawn really well to show Hera's growth. Cause Hera doesn't really do much in the first two seasons. It's just, I am just frustrated because I'm not asking for like as Maul in every episode, but like maybe like one or two more episodes, because every time we see Maul, it's the same story. Like it's rinse and repeat um, and Holocrons of Fate, Voices and Visions, and now Twin Sons. It's the same the same series of events with him and Ezra. He calls Ezra, Ezra goes, they get in a trap, Ezra gets out of the trap, and Maul scampers off to live another day. So I, I guess I guess what I'm asking is for variety. I wish they had more of a variety of how they use Maul. I'm okay with him being in four episodes if they used him differently, but it's just such a repetitive story. He reminds me of Loki in the Marvel Thor movies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sort of, Loki's yeah, terrible. Just, <laughs> I, I love I, Loki. I, I'll fight you. Well, well, you <laughs> just can't, well. I, I mean, just, just the way they use him as a character, the way I like yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. It's it's like that. He's a very popular character, but you know he's 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 going to screw everybody over, and they all know it too. But they, you got to have him in the movie and have it happen. But I, you know, hope I. We've always talked about how Rebels is sort of like all these parallels to all the other Star Wars stories and characters, except with the main difference being is it's about, you know, the main good characters. It's about, um, 
it's sort of like what would would all these sort of they they have lots of parallels to like Luke and and Han and all all, all sorts of characters. But what if all those people were involved in a healthy relationship? You know, had like a real like like I mean, in Star Wars there were people with with good relationships, but like you know, this was like a healthy family. You know, which is the first in. So you see sort of things like Ezra being like Luke Skywalker under much better circumstances, you know. Hey, Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen are his parents and they love him. I'll fight I'll you. Right well, yeah, I'll yeah, be- yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, Ezra never saw the, the charred remain. You know, Luke just sort of found his way into the rebellion and stuff. Whereas this is like, you know, a lot of the stories are about you know, basically family dynamics, you know, yeah. and the family dynamics in, in this are very, are very, you actually see them play out in a healthy way. Like Han Solo is like a family member, but like, you know, when you see Han Solo displaying emotions in Star Wars movies, it's always as the, you know, the guy who's just going to be like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, except for a few key parts whereas here people stop and talk about their feelings you know without it being i love it awkward you know you know what i mean so so the characters develop differently and i often think maybe that's why they just sort of be didn't become involved in the higher rung stories of the force because they weren't you know like maybe they needed a little more torture to be (laughs) up in the uh, up in the upper echelons fighting palpatine or whatever but yeah yeah all right well um did you guys have any other thoughts about the episode um i had a couple just brief brief notes the he will avenge us question was kind of weird i'm I'm guessing he was just kind of because it was, I think he was getting confused. You know, he was just sort of maybe reliving a scene from episode one or something. But it was just kind of strange because it's like, no, no, he's not going to avenge us. And what, what's this us? <laughs> Who are you talking about? But uh, um, I liked the only part that that this was what I was referring to earlier. The only other part that I like, kind of thought was kind of neat, where was where where Ezra was in it with all this that was almost worth him being there was when um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but, but Maul referred to him and he said something like, I'll see you later apprentice or something like that. And you can see Obi-Wan just sort of look over there and think apprentice, huh? And then you can see instantly he's just like, nah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, nah, he's full of shit. And and I thought that was just a neat little little touch. And I liked Obi Wan told him, uh, "You must go now," which in the exact same way as he said, "We must go now," in uh, Star Wars. And I liked his mo- the model of Obi Wan had a little bit of Ewan McGregor in there and a little bit of the you know Clone Wars model of Obi Wan in there. Just a touch. It was just nice. They gave him a little soft focus, but uh. Other than that, you know, I I thought Howard was completely wasted in this episode. He was just sort of standing around in the background and really need him. But otherwise, yeah, that's all I got. Did you have anything else, Jeremy? No, I think we pretty much covered it. I thought 
I that's the last five minutes are really great Star Wars episode of television. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, on a scale of one to ten, Jeremy, score up the episode and tell me why. Um, when I first watched it, when it aired on tel- on TV, I gave it a ten. I would when Jonah and my and myself and Katrina reviewed it. I think I gave it like a perfect ten. Wow, so good. Bah. But I think that's because when I was watching it, I had this just anticipation towards the end and I and it flew by for me because I was barely paying attention to what was happening because I just wanted to get to that last five minutes and now that I've watched watched it again it's kind of a mess until that last five minutes so I'm gonna go with a five out of ten. Ooh, so last, wow Ooh, wow you scored it way lower than I did <laughs> the last fight is not as an episode of television the last five minutes is not enough to save the entire 22 for me. But I don't feel bad, so I was like, I guess I should score this higher. I'm not actually score this much no. higher. If it wasn't for that last five minutes, I'd probably give it like a two. Damn. That's the lowest score I think we've had in Rebels so far. <laughs> well, no, I could, I could, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, that's because we're in, it's, uh, Yeah. But we're we're in here scoring up every week, so I think our score is bias high. But yeah. it just speaks to how uneven it is in terms of storytelling. It's just it's it wanders around until it gets to the part that it actually wants to the story wants to tell. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Score it up for me. I gave it an eight, making it apparently sounding like I might have the highest score for this show. Um <laughs> I but I mean this 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 was is was potentially had to be in the nines high nines to a ten you know and it and it had it potential to be like that but it had the 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 mojo that it had in there brought it up to an eight point five which makes it like a better than average episode but just but not narratively. Narratively, it's it's as Jeremy said. I think a mess would be the perfect way to put it. But for having little, for the chunks of pure Star Wars mojo that happen in there, it it makes it a better than average episode. Just because it's like you got to watch it to see the Obi Wan fight. You don't. You can't miss the Obi Wan fight. But um, as far as a con- fully conceived episode, you know, I could al- I, I could almost see giving it like a a six or a seven as that and then an eight point five as just like I got eight point five. I got better than average enjoyment, but it was all crammed into five minutes. And if they would have done 22 minutes of that, I think my brain would have exploded. So I, I really would have preferred that. Um, for me, this is a sunny day in the void with really good five minutes tacked onto the end. Like that's that's it's not a good episode except for the ending, and that's why people watch it. Like you watch it for the Maul yeah. and the Obi Wan fight. You don't watch it for the rest of the stuff. I, I, I was kind of thinking earlier while we were talking about it. Like I part of me kind of wish I had Jonna on this call too because she's such a huge Ezra fan. Like she'd be here defending Ezra's story. She's like. She somewhere just divorced me as a podcast co-host. Like, like she would be here, like defending Ezra so hard. But then on the other hand, I was like, I'm glad she's not here because then it'd be three on one dogpiling on her. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad she's not here. 
Um, but like you could just cut Ezra's story and make it twenty two minutes of Maul and, and Obi Wan, and it would be so compelling. Yeah. And one scene does not make an episode work. I actually purposely scored it high, but thank you, Jeremy, for scoring it so low. So now I don't feel bad about it. I gave it a seven out of ten. <laughs> I mean, if it, if it was all Maul and Obi Wan, it would have been probably one of the best animated episode, like animated Star Wars things ever to be yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh, go ahead, Jeremy. Nope, I was just gonna agree. I was just gonna say, yeah, hundred percent. I would have probably given it a ten. Well, as always, you can leave feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Um, this week, we're not going to be reading feedback because we do have a guest on, so we're running a little bit long. But uh, you can definitely leave feedback for this episode here. We do have a new website on the way, which I'm so excited about. And with that's all that we have. Anything else? No? 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 no. no. Maul's the man. We love Maul. All right, Jeremy, where can people find you in your new future podcast, The Mall Hours by the Mall Walkers? <laughs> well, if I read that off the ground, you can find that. How about this? Good. The Malted Milk Malls. Oh, jeez. Okay, Chris, no. <laughs> He's going to give you back Yoda at this point now. <laughs> what? Huh? Yoda was having a funny dream. Hmm. Did it involve Rex and Yaddle? Uh, does it involve... Moist thongs. Oh, mining moisture thongs. Yoda, very good at that. Yoda, have you ever read any of my stories on bleedingpool.com? Do they have pictures? Yoda likes pictures. Some hmm? would argue that there's too many pictures, so the site doesn't look properly on time. Oh. <laughs> Yoda's laptop has many midichlorians. Upload oh. sites fast, very fast. Yoda so has you- to... Yoda, Yoda has to get his spaceport in Quantum 17G. Mm. Oh, well, since you have such a powerful, powerful one, then, uh, yeah, you can go to bleedingcool.com and see what I write about on a daily basis, and then you can follow... If you have Twitter, Yoda, you can follow me at Jeremy Ohio. We can, we can go back and forth a little bit about uh, Dagobah. I have many questions about Dagobah. Oh, Yoda knows much about Dagobah. Mm, many corners of Dagobah Yoda's been to. Yes. Take you to the tree, Yoda will. Yes. Mm. And then See your dark whenever, side, you will. Whenever we decide to record another episode, Yoda, you can hear me and Jonah Marie Macias talk about uh, your babies. Um, or Yaddle and Rex's illegitimate child, Baby Yoda, uh, on the Beskar pod, part of Geeky Bubble. And you know, didn't you used to have uh, another podcast called Hanging with Team Kanan? We did. If you want to go back and listen to me and Jonah and Katrina Dennis talk about Star Wars Rebels, look up Hanging with Team Kanan. Uh, it has an intro from Vanessa Marshall, which is really cool. <laughs> and, uh, it's it's a fun show. We we had a lot of fun um, recording that show. I miss it. I, I hate to admit this, but I haven't had a chance to listen to it. Did you guys go episode by episode, week by week, or did you guys cover, like, seasons? We did episode by episode as they aired. Awesome. I just know three years from now on the, like, fourth, third or fourth season of The Mandalorian, we'll be going, like, remember when we were joking? We, we said it was a joke that... That Yaddle and Rex had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Who that would have ever known? That happens, then, That'll uh, be the final proof that the that the story the story 
team listens to our podcast. Yeah. That's us truly testing them, guys. If you're listening to us for first stories, ideas, that's your ultimate test. Will you have Baby Yaddle be the spawn of Rex? Or Baby Baby Yaddle. Baby Yoda be the spawn of <laughs> Rex. The two of uh, Mandalorian is the where they introduce Baby Yaddle. <laughs> All right, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's our podcast network website. <laughs> And we got all our podcasts there from all the way back to 2008. Yep. Something like that. It's 2008. And you can sign up for our RSS feeds for all our shows. You can get all our shows on one mega feed there, or you can go to iTunes to do that. You can go to Twitter, and our Twitter feed is run by the incredible incredible edible gene gene the podcasting machine nom 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 gene uh, <laughs> and uh i think it's a oh, thing no, we're jeremy on just roll with it it's a thing just roll with it it's a running i'm just game. out here singing sarah mclaughlin in my head thinking about mall memories uh-huh. <laughs> in the arms of a sabrak <laughs> I, I, no, it's the Dawson's Creek uh, theme song. I don't remember. I never watched Dawson's Oh, wait, that's Paula Cole. Never mind. Well, that doesn't I got my 90s singers of sad music mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> Only you, one dollar a day, can save Maul from these horrible conditions. Go on, Chris. I'm sorry. <laughs> we are also on Facebook. You can go to the Two True Freaks podcast page on Facebook where we post all the podcasts as they come up fresh and live. And you can also go to the Two True Freaks Cantina where everybody just hangs out to talk about stuff. You can just like come over and like talk about stuff, man. Like we like listen to records and stuff. No big deal. It's kind of cool. All right. I think that's it for me. What I about have to you? Say- if you're a new listener and you're here listening to this episode because Jeremy is here, first and foremost, welcome to J Guys and Jedi. Thank you for coming. Um, when we say that we have a network, we have like 40 shows, and they're not all Star Wars. They're like anime and comics. We have a Power Rangers show. We have a wrestling show. We Rest- have, bo- yeah, uh, we do. We have a wrestling show. It's a. Yep. Do they go weekly? No, they're. Uh, they're they monthly. they whenever they get it together, whenever they yeah. can get it all together to it, but. Uh, uh, we got a Power Rangers show. Uh, the the uh, Charlie Niemeyer does the Power Rangers show has been just like pumping. Yeah. Them. And, uh, there's been a lot of podcasts getting pumped out lately because everybody's locked up in their house. It reminds me of around 2006, 2008 during the recession when everybody was unemployed and started making podcasts. We have uh, bu- uh, Bots, Bugs, and Babes, which is all about what, like, B&D, Monster C movies. movies. Yep. yep. yep we so got... when, when we say that we have a network, uh, we have Is It Jaws, where it's a movie review podcast where they compare movies to Jaws. So, yeah, like, check out Two True Freaks, guys. We have uh, over 40 different shows, and there's going to be something on there for everybody. So... Well, you can find me at J Guys and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinax. I have my own website called GeekyGirlExperience.com, where I write reviews. I've been writing weekly reviews of Clone Wars as they've been going. I have Mandalorian reviews on there. Actually, Jeremy has seen all my Mandalorian reviews because pretty much I just took my emails to Best Car Pod and then cleaned them up and made turned them into. I gotta say, it was always a treat to, to get those emails every week. Oh, thank you. I I did have a while like maybe. 
movies are too long. I'm just uh... no. I told Jonah repeatedly off air. I was like, if you want to just have her on the podcast instead of me, that'd be fine. I mean, <laughs> I I would love to be on a podcast with you guys. Uh, in a, a, I even it's just like shooting the shit and just talking about just animation in general. I I think that'd be fun to talk about like the Filoni verse as a whole once Clone Wars is cl- uh, cleaned up because then we'd have Clone Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian, and Resistance to look at as a whole. Um, yeah. I think I think just talking general Filoni verse, like the state of it and what's coming next, that's, would be a fun. That's show. just the Star Wars Filoni verse. <laughs> yeah. And there's like Avatar and stuff like that. Yeah, um, but you can find me on geekygirlexperience.com. I also actually by the time this show comes out, Chris, it will be launched. So you can also find me and Chris on another podcast, um, part of Geeky Girl Experience. I will have a Patreon exclusive podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where we talk about uh, shows that are not related to Star Wars. Our first show that we're going to be discussing is Gravity Falls, and we are recording the first episode tomorrow, and I'm so excited. (laughs) First two episodes, aren't we? Yes, and that is a bi-weekly podcast. As I said, that's a Patreon-exclusive podcast for GeekyGirlExperience.com. You can also find me on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia, where I write fan fiction. I write, uh, I've written Thrawn fan fiction, Agent Callus fan fiction, Ahsoka fan fiction, Padme fan fiction. I just write fan fiction, and I love writing. So, yeah. Well, this is fine, Jeremy. Thank you for being on the show. Good. Thanks for having me. It was uh, it was my honor. I, I yeah, like um, gosh, maybe when we get into Clone Wars and you finally I'm watch saying Clone when Wars. we get into Clone Wars season seven episode eight, we should have you on for that episode. Yeah. Well, or okay. well, who knows? Okay. There yeah. there may be even a better episode later on down the later on down the line in the Clone Wars. We don't know yet. Siege but. of Mandalore. Let's talk Siege of Mandalore when we get there. That'll be good. Yeah, I'll come on anytime. This was fun. Yay! Thank you for having us on. And next week, guys, we We had him on, though, Hope. Yeah. What? This is my show now. Me and You just just gave him our show, Hope. That was awesome. Thank you. By all the podcast regulations, he now owns our show. Wait, what just happened? I was like... You just thanked him for having us on his show. (laughs) Yeah, ownership just changed legally right now. In my brain, I was, like, getting ready to, like, set up the ending, and I was not realizing what I was, well, I, thanks, well, here's Jagas and Jedi, you have to take Yoda with you. He, Wait till, yeah. um, next week, the show becomes a weekly look at each and every Kenner Star Wars figure, starting with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, guys, hear that? That's the new show next week. See you then. Get your fingers out. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? 
If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.